Welcome to the Grief Dreams Podcast, where we have conversations with guests about their life, loss, grief, and of course, grief dreams, which can be dreams of the deceased. If you want to know more about the topic and your hosts, please visit our website at griefdreams.ca. To support our podcast, please go ahead and rate it. For additional ways to support us, please refer to our show notes. Before we move on with the show, we'd like to give a territory acknowledgement. Long before Canada was formed, the Stalo people were the original land stewards, and they have lived here since time immemorial. They continue to live in the unceded Stalo territory, known to settlers as the Fraser Valley and Lower Fraser Canyon of British Columbia. We recognize and honor the contribution that Indigenous people have made and continue to make to our community and the topic of great dreams. Welcome to the Grief Dreams Podcast. Thank you again for tuning in. We have Jade here and myself, Joshua, to interview Roberta Kurloff. I'm really excited to, to talk to her. So she is a speaker, community activist, former attorney, and the author of the new book, Framing a Life, Building the Space to Be Me. With humor and poignancy, her memoir takes readers along an inspiring journey of self-discovery. She's also a founding member of two domestic violence projects, as well as an elderly services organization, and was a hospice patient volunteer and bereavement worker facilitator. So thank you so much, Roberta, for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I truly appreciate it. So it seems you've had a very interesting life to write a memoir <laughs> about it. Not everyone yes. can do something like that, you know? Um, so I'm really curious as to when you look back at your life, when you come to framing your life, like what are some really important aspects that you come to figure out or, or look back on and say, oh, like I learned a lot from that or that made me a part of who I am today? Probably the main thing and from the beginning of my life was that my mother died when I was six years old and my brother was two. We went to live on a farm in New Jersey, my aunt and uncle's farm for a year because uh, my father couldn't figure out at the time what to do after my mother died suddenly yeah, from cancer. So we went to live on the farm for a year. And after uh, a year, my aunt died or was dying, I should say. And we couldn't live there anymore. And none of the re relatives that my father would allow us to live with, um, we couldn't, um, he didn't want us to live with a bunch of them. So we ended up in an orphanage. So my life really started living in an orphanage, basically when I was seven years old. And that experience taught me in some ways how to be a positive person, because there was something in me at that age that knew I had to survive. I had to live. I had to deal with this experience, this life that I was in. And it's kind of made me a positive person because to survive, you have to be positive. And so that was a good learning lesson early on. And I've generally been that way my whole life. I mean, I get depressed. Of course, everybody does, but I choose. It's a matter of choice to how you look at life, um, half full or half empty. And I decided to look at it half full. The first book I wrote called Everything Special Living Joy was written at a silent meditation retreat. And that writing that happened that I didn't expect just brought out the nature of how we look at life. And that's why the book was named Everything Special Living Joy, that book. So that's where I come from in terms of attitude. <laughs> That would be such a difficult transition, especially like right after your mom, your your mother died. And 
to then be put into a place that's even more unfamiliar to you. How were you able to process that as a child? Like, do you have memories of trying to do certain things to try to maybe make memories or to remember her? Because that would have been so, so difficult. It was very difficult. My father, at least, was good about visiting us regularly on the weekends. I talked with relatives about my mother, so I had a better sense of who she was because I truthfully didn't have any real remembrance other than some scenes in my mind of being with her. And my brother was only two, and he and he was three when we went into the orphanage. So it was scary and, and difficult, but I came through it with somehow or other this ability to look at life in a way to survive. And I was a survivor, and at times I was a tough kid, and I fought and, you know, things like that and had boyfriends and girlfriends. And it wasn't that the home, we call it the home, but the orphanage, it wasn't like what you read about in the old days about orphan, about orphanages. It was, it was, um, nice counselors, made good friends, stayed friends with a lot of the people that I met there. And uh, when I was um, when I was about 11, my father took us back to live with him. And so I, it wasn't like a lifelong experience in an orphanage, but it had a great effect on me in so many ways, of course. The title of the book is so interesting, about Framing a Life, Building the Space to Be Me. And so like, what kind of advice do you have for people as they're trying to build their space to find themselves? Because it's such a difficult task in this life with everyone's thoughts and beliefs of who you should be to try to right. find who you truly are or what makes you feel as your best self. I'm still learning about that each and every day. And so I'm just curious what wisdom you have throughout the years. I think I knew that I had to be strong and I love to talk to people. And so from early on, I somehow got into this mindset of helping the other kids in the orphanage. And that led to eventually being a lawyer and giving advice. My childhood circumstances made me who I am now. But then I went beyond that into more spirituality. I uh, After my partner, as I talk about in the book, my partner Nancy died in a car accident. That just broke me. That just opened something up that I never had experienced in, in such a way. Then I went on this spiritual search for eight years, and that ended up in writing the book, Everything Special Living Joy, Poems and Prose to Inspire, because I went to a silent meditation retreat, my first, and I was there to meditate. Well, I was while I was meditating, all this stuff was coming through my head, and I had didn't know what to do with it, so I ended up writing it down. That led as well to writing Framing a Life because I really wanted to tell the story of how I wrote the first book because it was so, it was so profound as I, I tell in, in Framing a Life to suddenly be sitting and all these thoughts and ideas were popping into my head and I didn't know what to do with them. And I was just writing, writing, writing. And it was like my soul talking through me or whatever one wants to look at it in, in which way. So Framing a Framing a Life was really trying to talk about my growth and to have people read it and see how we can look at life half empty or half full and how we can grow from that. And I and I think that's what Framing a Life really touches upon, especially after Nancy's death. And suddenly I had a second family, which was Nancy's parents. 
And what's so fascinating to me is that her family became my family. And suddenly I had a mother, finally, and a second father, and in a way, a sister, Nancy's sister, and uh, the grandchild. And I suddenly belonged to something more than just my first family, but still close, of course, with my first family. Interesting. So like as a summary, do you feel like that wisdom, like there's a lot there in terms of you um, realizing that you should be recording some of those thoughts and that that felt good and therapeutic. And so the take home around the pieces of wisdom that you, you gathered, like the kind of mottos, would it be changing your perspective? Like, is that kind of what you would reiterate to the people that you would connect with or record your thoughts or find out like a channel to kind of share those things that you're, that you're learning? Like, what would you say some of the biggest kind of like take-homes, you know, are when you're like having conversations and connecting with, with other people? Because I know it's like you've mentioned several times that you've had these shifts in perspective and allowing you to kind of view things in a different way. And the retreat has, you know, made contributions and stuff to that. And so to be able to take all this hardship and kind of turn it into positivity and, and really wanting to live your life in a space that's constructive feels like it's like a uh, major theme for you. Yes. I think it is a major theme for me. What I brought to through my writing and my poetry, and my blog that's on my website, what I want, I want people to see that their lives can be wonderful, that their lives can be joyous, and that even with all the pain and sadness in this world, we're also here to enjoy life, and we have to find ways to do that. And it's very hard for people who have really had difficult lives, like people who were abused in their childhood and those type of things. But I like to see it on a bigger in a bigger picture, because I do believe that this is not just our own one life that we do go on. For my so-called communications with Nancy um, that I share in the book after her death and other experiences that I've had, I believe in reincarnation. <laughs> I, I believe in those, in that we never really die. We just experience di- maybe different lives. So I know that I will come back somehow at some point. And I think I I mentioned to Josh that uh, I just was recently diagnosed with cancer and I'm being treated for that. I'm positive about it. I'm not letting it pull me down. And I think that when I share that with people, that can make it easier for them as well. And maybe that's the therapist in me that I never was (laughs) on a a technical way. I think there's lots of nuances there around just taking every opportunity to learn and integrate those things into our life as we move forward. And yeah, and it's hard to land in a space of positivity, as you mentioned, especially lots of people have gone through really, really heavy things and right. are going still going through really heavy yeah, things. So to make sense of that is it takes lots of courage and resilience yeah. and the ability to really find silver lining in all, all sorts of things and not so much about avoiding it or jumping over it, but understanding that, you know, life is just full of those challenges. So like you said, at the beginning of our conversation around making a conscious choice every day to be, to not succumb to that space, like still really just working consciously to find joy and find things to be grateful for is a really a game changer. And, and, you know, from my opinion can really change outcomes as well. So knowing that, 
Yeah, without question. So reiterating that to folks and modeling that for folks. And so, yeah, maybe just by you being open and transparent about your story and how you're making sense of everything is really helpful to other people and will, you know, allow them to to reach in and and find their own like piece of peace. And it's very... It's very hard to reach in. It's very scary for people to face things that are maybe a little ugly in their lives or things they did that they're sorry about or things they should have done that they didn't do. But we can't punish ourselves all the time. We we have to really look at life that it's a learning lesson, that everything is learning. I think, yeah, it's really the journey is to open up your heart. And the ways you've, I hear you do it through kindness to yourself, through mm-hmm. learning, and also serving others. And I think that's something that yeah. a lot of people forget about the importance of serving others really does open up the heart as you move forward in this life. And so I'm really curious about the dreams. So you've mentioned two different losses so far. Have you had any like memorable dreams of your mother or Nancy throughout the, the years? Yes. And um, with my mother, less so maybe when I was a child more, but in the book, Framing a Life, I share um, a number of experiences with Nancy after her death. These are experiences that happened in the dream state. And I talk about flying with her, going out of my body, the fear of going out of my body initially. I wasn't you know, sure about what was going on, but it felt so real. It wasn't just a dream. And it's hard, I think, for a lot of people to understand that and take it seriously, but it felt very serious to me. So what, uh, what actually happened? Could you really describe the dream? Yes, it, it was, I could feel my body suddenly moving and that I had no control over it, uh, shaking a little. And then I could feel a hand reaching out to me and suddenly I was flying. First, I, I would try to figure out flying on a pad or something. And and then it just, it opened up and it, and I just flew and I flew over cities and, and countryside. And I would talk with Nancy uh, about her experiences. And she was sad on some level, but also enjoying like a little kid. She was always a little kid in some ways. And um, she, and she was enjoying playing and, and communicating with me. And so I had a number of those type of dreams. And so what do you take from the flying? Like, was it a sense of freedom that you're now embracing more than before? Like, how did you, how do you make sense of that? I think, I don't know how, if I actually made sense of it, but I, I enjoyed it. I just enjoyed being out of my body and just flying over cities and countryside. And just, I was in awe and I just, I guess, told myself to just enjoy and don't question. Because when you start questioning, that's when you get in trouble. (laughs) You know, analyzing, you know, the lawyer starts analyzing, she's not enjoying. So I was just enjoying those those experiences. And so just going back to the dreams you had of Nancy, how did that help you in your grief. So, you know, you talked about meeting her and stuff. So what what did that give you in the sense of just providing you something for your grief journey? I I think what it did, it opened me up to understanding and accepting the loss because it was was a loss on the human level, but it wasn't a, a loss on a spiritual level. For instance, when my father died that night, I saw, I saw him in, in, in an experience 
similar to a dream. And he was smiling and I knew that he was okay. And he wanted me to know that I would, that I would be okay. And in, in other ways, just at night when I go to sleep and, and I talk to myself that I want to have a certain type of dream. I want to have this experience. And sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't, but when it does, it's, it's very meaningful. It happens, I think, a little less now than it did in the intensity of loss. I have such a wonderful life here with my spouse, Bernice, and, and my dog, Ruby. I want to include Ruby. <laughs> so those dreams are not needed as much. But when you need those kind of things, if you sit like and meditate and ask for the support and ask for the, the dream or the help, it comes and it still comes even now. Beautiful. And I think that's a great tip for people is asking for it because that's an indicator that you vet, you're valuing what's coming and you've made space for it mentally in your life and you know right. that it can support you in one way or another. And beautiful for you to have those experiences. You said something else really important too that I just want to mention before we're wrapping up and that's the lawyer wants to analyze and mm-hmm. and then it kills the joy of the experience. And so important that you've that you've realized that. I think that's something that I personally struggle with and lots of people <laughs> in my personal network. But killing it with questions is not the path okay. forward. It's really hard to do, but I really admire your ability to just kind of let yourself know that, hey, like this is just, it's really for enjoyment. It's not to, this isn't like a Rubik's Cube. There's nothing really I, to figure out right now. That's a good way of saying it. Yeah. Can I read you two short paragraphs from my book that I think addresses what we've been discussing? Yes, absolutely. That would be fine. Okay. Yeah, please do. Uh, the first one is, I I did not have choices in my own childhood, yet thankfully I had aspirations, even though at the time I didn't know what that word meant. As my home kid friends, that's the in the orphanage, later reminded me, even in the orphanage, I was always acting like a social worker, giving advice and being an advocate when I believed the actions of the councils were unfair or unnecessary. The dream of being Superman, well, superwoman, supported my loneliness and gave me purpose. I survived by seeking purpose. Now, in this new stage of my life, I struggled again to find purpose, to find meaning, to thrive, not just survive. And just one other short one. I read somewhere that the real goal of meditation is to come home to parts of ourselves that we lost in the rush of life. This was a challenge for me. I lived actively, sometimes obsessively. I hadn't possessed a natural inner calm. Nancy's death changed me. My soul peeked out and roared. Finally, you notice me. I didn't need to be Superman's daughter anymore, as I had in the orphanage, which was something I told myself a lot, maybe now believing it. Thank you for letting me read that. Absolutely. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And Mm -hmm. yeah, you've given our listeners lots to think about today and me, myself personally as well. And yeah, thanks so much. And then for our final question uh, of today is that we always like to end on is if you could have a dream of someone who has died tonight, what would that dream look like to you? Well, since I love to dance and I know my mother loved to dance and my father, in a way, loved to dance. I would love a dream to be at a big dance hall and I could dance with my father and dance with my mother and just smile and feel centered and feel whole and know that this little experience experience of dancing with them is really 
dancing with myself and and dancing with 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 the universe and, and knowing that I will keep on going in different forms and I hope I remember all this stuff so that when I come back in a different life <laughs> I could take some of the learning and I'm curious in this dream what's your soundtrack so what are you dancing to oh I would dance to um I love to waltz I mean I da- I dance I I did uh teach dancing I used to teach to uh, mambos and cha-chas and things like that I I was always dancer but I would love to do waltzes maybe with Fred Astaire in particular <laughs> oh wow I love that that's great <laughs> lovely why would I love to do dance like that yeah that's amazing <laughs> and Thank just you. dance dance it freely not on a floor but just out out in the woods or out anywhere just moving beautiful I love that. What a beautiful sentiment. Well, perhaps you'll have it tonight. Maybe. Perhaps you'll be waltzing, yeah, your your way through the night, which would be lovely. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that. And so having me. Yeah, absolutely. So listeners or people that are interested in accessing the book or contacting you with some feedback or want to chit chat or whatever that looks like, how can they find you? My website is robertacroloff.com. I have a Facebook page, the author page and regular page. They can email me at robertacroloff at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from people and if and I'll definitely respond. I love to to share this stuff. So I'm I'm open to that doing that. Beautiful. Love that. Thank you so much there. Yeah. Several ways to to get in contact with you and just appreciate your your time and uh, wish you all the best on your uh, health and wellness journey moving forward and that you have the strength and all the things you need to navigate that with grace and have the supports necessary around you to keep uh, inspiring you as well. The person that's always inspiring other people to kind of (laughs) push forward and find the silver lining and all that. So thank thank you. Thank God I have um, Bernice, my par- my spouse, because she inspires me. Beautiful. That's a blessing. And Ruby. What's Ruby, me? let's and not Ruby. forget what, what dogs can do. They're integral. Oh, dogs are, dogs are unbelievable. Ruby is unbelievable. Lovely. We love that. A, a, a rescue. A rescue. Aw, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Roberta. We appreciate thank your time. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. <laughs>